and the people who clean up after COVID. And we really appreciate everything they do. So we wanted to make sure everybody knows that they are our heroes. Remember, the both the men and women in the armed forces and women police and fire services are the ones that run into danger when everyone else is running out. Tonight we'd like to dedicate this uh, program to a wonderful group of people. They're called the Blue Jeep People. What it is, a bunch of Jeep owners get together in each county. Today it was in Sarasota, Manatee, uh, Pine Ellis, and Hillsboro. They packed their, their, their um, Jeeps full of uh, bags of uh, goodies, chips, water, clean socks, and um, some kind of a, uh, a little trinket. And they take it to each um, each police department, each sheriff's department, each substation. And if they see somebody out directing traffic or they see somebody out on the road, they will actually stop and hand it to them. So uh, then they follow that with going to uh, Polk County. The sheriff, sheriff Grady Judges has a uh, ranch out there uh, that they have a, a um, rodeo, if you will, where they have things they have to climb and hills, hills that go up that he's put in out there. And, you know, everybody in the world, I think, knows the great Grady Judd. He's a superman, super super sheriff, and somebody to be emulated. Good, good Christian man who's done his job for over 50 years. And we want to salute him, too. Uh, we wanted to say hello to Ty and to Zito. Uh, we're glad to have you back. Uh, tonight's going to be a big night. It's a... Uh, uh, Tony, what do you think about Benedict and uh, Plant? I can't wait. I'm waiting patiently, but I'm dying. It's going to be a great <laughs> one, and Benedict is going to knock the man out in the fifth or sixth round. It's going down, boy. Ooh. Ooh. It's going think? down, fellas. Uh, uh, who are you talking about, Tony? Uh, which which guy is going down? Mr. Plant's going to get planted. <laughs> in the fifth round. Wow. <laughs> All right, I'll go I'll go I'll go two more. I'll meet you halfway. We'll go to seven. Ooh. What do you think, guys? Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Hi, mm-hmm. well, uh you know what, when the fight was first announced I, I leaned heavily towards plant and uh I mean heavily towards Benavidez you know, potentially in a stoppage around the 11th round. Um, at this point, I do think there are some things I was overlooking with Plant and overlooking with Benavidez. Uh, as I was telling Zito earlier today, uh, this will be the best fighter that Plant, uh, that Benavidez has been, been in the ring with, but this will not be the best fighter that Plant has been in the ring with. As a young guy, you take a lot of knowledge and a lot of confidence in away from being in the ring for, you know, 11 rounds, 10 rounds with uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez until he got stopped. With that said, I expect uh, Flint to really have a very positive and strong showing. In my heart, I believe Benavidez, I still, it's still hard for me to shake certain things, you know, from Flint's performance with Canelo out of my mind, specifically the fact that he was asking Canelo in the ninth round if Canelo thought he was good. Uh, so, you know, that kind of break is in him, and, and Benavidez is definitely the guy that can break him. But I think just to be the oddball and just to just just 
hell of it. I'm going to predict an upset. I'm going to predict that uh, Caleb Plant was a close, controversial decision. I'm letting you know now. I believe in my heart that Benavidez is going to win 100%, but I'm predicting the upset. Remember I said that. Somebody's going to eat a sandwich. <laughs> you know what, man? I, I've eaten crow so many times, I've grown a taste for it. You know? So. <laughs> now, you know, now, now, oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I wanted to chime in a little bit. No, go ahead. Um, go ahead. No, and I, I want to say this much. Um, me, me and Ty always agree how the fight's going to go. We, we at, at times we disagree on the results, and I think I'm going to disagree on the results this time. Yes. Um, my brother, I mean, and and like I see everything he sees except for one thing, and it's it's, it's illuminating to what he said. We talked about it earlier, but it's illuminating to what he just said. Am I? You're a good fighter. Am I a good fighter? Oh man! When you're yeah. in, as, as 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 high alluded to, what do you think about skills? You think I'm pretty good? What did, what did Breadman say? No, what did Breadman say, Ty? No, let's get so, the whole story out. What did Breadman say? So Stephen Breadman <laughs> was is the, the, is the trainer. He's the for trainer. Caleb Plant, and mm-hmm. they first hooked up in his last fight with uh, Anthony Durrell. and mm-hmm. so you know everyone was, everyone was asking about whether, you know, Caleb Planet found his power. And, you know, Stephen Smith, Stephen uh, Edwards was saying, it's, you know, more than finding his power, it's about being disciplined and following the game plan. And they asked him about, you know, the game plan for this particular fight against Benavidez. And he said mm-hmm. what Caleb has to do, he says he has to follow the game plan and not allow himself to be broken when Benavidez makes his push in a later round. That's what his trainer said. Mm. He was being very honest with it. You know, he knows this fighter has the skills. Uh, Plant has the amateur pedigree. Uh, Benavidez turned mm-hmm. pro at a very young age. He had pro experience. Uh, but Plant is a very skillful fighter. And I think, you know, Breadman, you know, if you ever read his mailbag on Saturday, he's a very cerebral trainer. And he's very objective and analytical in regards to his fighters. And he knows his guy has skills for days, uh, but he also knows that his guy can be broken. Again, when you're in the middle of the biggest fight of your life and in the tenth round, you're, you know, you know, moving away from your opponent. And as you guys, as he's talking, you stop and ask him, "Hey, what do you? This is a pretty good fight. What do you think of my skills? Do you think I'm pretty good?" And, uh, and, and Canelo doesn't respond, and then he goes, "This is a pretty good fight, right?" And Canelo goes, "I like." <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I, I, like, when you when you start when you have that kind of, like that's that's mental breaking. I'm sorry, you know, this is not basketball. Again, you're not. You can play basketball. You can play football. God knows you can play golf, but you can't you can't play boxing. Or you can't play MMA. Those things you kind of can't mm-hmm. play. And when you start looking for acknowledgement from your opponent verbally, that that's essentially that's essentially you know folding the tent up. So you know Caleb Plant has that in him; he can be broken mentally. Um, and 
Benavidez is just the guy to do it. And, you know, for him to win, for my prediction to come to fruition, he needs to, you know, obviously dig down and survive some rocky moments. Simple as that. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. He looks scared at the uh, weigh-ins. You know, I noticed that too, man. I'm like, say that again. Yeah. He, he looks scared, and on top of that, that's Benavides looks flat out like just very comfortable and promised a broken jaw by the fifth round. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know, mm-hmm. man. That's, it's going to be good. I agree. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. So, hey, Ty, so on the business end, you're always, you're always good on the business end. What happened to the Fury Music uh, talks? They broke down again. You know what? Um, honestly, obviously, I, I, you know, I don't know the ins and outs, right? But here's the thing. Tyson Fury offered a 70 to 30% split with Usyk. Right. Now, now, obviously, Tyson Fury was, was going to get the bigger purse. But Usyk is the guy with three straps. Tyson Fury has one. Uh, and he is the lineal. He has one and is considered the lineal champion. But Usyk has three straps. Usyk obviously deserves more than 30%. Usyk's manager said, hey, you know what? We, we accepted the 30% to call his bluff, to say, yeah, we really do want the fight to get made. He said, but after that, after Usyk humbly accepted 30%, uh, he said the demands were just outrageous. They said Tyson Fury was just outrageous. And everything I was reading, uh, you know, just rumors coming out of that, which I don't necessarily subscribe to, but, you know, they kind of mm-hmm. tell you the tone of what's going on. And all the rumors said that Tyson Fury was kind of being a bully in, in the negotiations his team was. And so finally it just got to a point where, uh, you know, who 16 stepped away unless Tyson, you know, his team agreed to to negotiate fairly and in good faith. And they said, mm-hmm. look, we're running out of time because he'll be stripped, right? He has three titles, so he has mandatories coming up. You know, so right. he's like, look, we'll we'll handle our man, man we have to we'll take care of our mandatories and you know, hopefully uh, uh, uh if I remember correctly, the term was hopefully Mr. Fury will come to a senses again. Or come to a senses mm-hmm. and we'll do this again. So that that's where they're at right now. Okay, Tony, uh, uh, the next person uh, set up for a possible jury at, at this point is Joe Joyce. Uh, what's your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I don't think he's got it to take out Fury. Mm-hmm. I think I think Usyk could give him the best run right now, but Joe Joyce is a great fighter, but I don't think he could do it. Mm-hmm. Peter, what's your thoughts? Uh, I think the most dangerous person for Usyk is Deontay Wilder, to be totally honest. Deontay Wilder, uh, I mean, he's, he's a guy that you don't look at as skillfully that could deal with Usyk, but when it comes to, uh, when it comes to like, the most dangerous person for Usyk is Deontay Wilder. Everybody else, Usyk, I think, could put paws on and not be in danger like that. Be honest, mm-hmm. but when it comes down to uh, Deontay Wilder, um, Usyk, yeah, he he he, he he has very good potential to put the paws on him. But I mean, mm-hmm. when he comes to that lights out stuff, nah. And Deontay's quick enough, and he has the timing enough to catch 
that one guy, as good as Usyk is, can he eat it? Or can can I get the ball rolling? I, I haven't seen the person eat. I've seen bigger guys with, you know, tough chins, you know, twitch on the floor with uh, Deontay Wilder. Usyk, I mean, as good as he is, I'm not going to, you know, really, you know, size doesn't always mean toughness, but at the same time, nah, 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 you know what, no, Louis Ortiz, as old as he was, as skillful as he was, he was known for taking a good shot when Deontay Wilder did that to him, so, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna, I, like, he's the only guy I see that, that Usyk, you know, would have a, you know, it would be dangerous, Tyson Fury can beat him, I mean, he has the potential to beat him. He has the skills to beat him. But that doesn't mean he's dangerous. You know, that's a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to hurt. You know, it, it always hurts. But, nah, dangerous, no. Deontay Wilder is a guy that if I'm Usyk, I would, like, really kind of stay away from. Uh, Fury, he's the big guy. He has, uh, you know, he has all the luster. That's who you go after. So you mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's hey, Ty, what, what you what you think about uh, uh, Joe Joyce and and Tyson Fury? You know what? And I, and, and I heard you uh, before Zito started talking about um, Usyk and, and Wilder. I heard you ask Tony, you know, what he thought about that mandatory. And I, you know, I got first of all, it'd be a great fight to, to make, right? It'd be a great fight in the UK. It'd be a big fight in the UK. Joe Joyce has got, you know, he, he's been fighting at a career best. He's got momentum on his side as far as his performances. So it'd be a big fight, and he's looking better and better. Uh, and he's earned his position. And not only that, he presents, you know, physical dimensions to Tyson Fury that, um, you know, not every guy possesses. You know, Deontay Wilder has the height and range. Joshua has that kind of size and girth. But Joe Joyce also has that kind of size and girth. Obviously, Tyson Fury is the biggest guy, the tallest and heaviest guy. But the very next biggest guy would possibly and probably be Joe Joyce. Um, I love Joe Joyce, love watching him fight. Uh, I've acted like him for quite some time. Uh, However, I have to, you know, completely concur with Tony. Against Tyson Fury, he's running into one of the few heavyweights that he won't be able to break down. Um, you know, Joe Joyce is known for his granite chin, and he, he really is. His nickname's the juggernaut. He's exactly that. He moves forward. He walks you down. He has a great engine for a big guy. I mean, a great gas tank. Uh, and, and you know what? He, you know, he's plodding, unfortunately, and he's slow. You know, he's glacially slow. Um, and because of Tyson Fury's skill and along with his size and his strength, Joe Joyce, what he does best, is not going to work against Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury physically still can, you know, wrap. He's the one guy who's going to be able to wrap Joe Joyce up. You know what I mean? And uh, he's also the one guy who, you know, who's big like Joe Joyce, but who also has a, you know, a very good, you know, gas tank, very great stamina. So, you know, mm-hmm. Joe Joyce against most heavyweights, you know, like I, I like Joe Joyce right now against most heavyweights. I think the only people who, who beat him are, 
or uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. I think, you know, Usyk beats him. Usyk has beaten him before, but that, that's a tight at this point because Joe Joyce has gotten better. Usyk has gotten better. Um, they fought in the World uh, Boxing Super Series, which is only five rounds, right? So, you know, Joe mm-hmm. Joyce over 12 rounds is a handful. Uh, I, I believe Usyk, you know, Fury and Wilder are the guys that can beat him. I don't think anyone else does. So I don't, I don't think. And I think Fury is the guy who, uh, you know, over 12 rounds beats him to cleanest. I don't think Wilder beats him over 12 rounds. I think Wilder beats him, up, you know, to concussion. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm hey, sorry. I, I got the question. I got the question wrong. Um, but I'm gonna ask the question myself. Do you Anthony Joshua at this point? Which what was that? You say? Question. I'm sorry. Do you think Joe Joyce beats Anthony Joshua at this point? Absolutely. I, I, I absolutely do. Yes. Absolutely. A, yeah, absolutely. That's exact. That's one of my favorite words. And you know, they say you shouldn't speak it absolutely, but that's an absolute ass with it. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what that is. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Joshua can get tore up in that one. Yeah, man. Wrong guy. That's one reason why Eddie Hearn, first of all, Eddie Hearn and Frank uh, Warren typically don't do business over in the UK. They you know, have grudges. You know, they just had a longstanding grudge. And, you know, true, obviously, true. Joshua is Eddie Hearn's golden goose, man. So, <laughs> so to sign him up to fight uh, a pressure fighter who takes a hell of a shot, and who puts a jab in your face? And goes, come on, man. Yeah. Come, on, man. <laughs> come on. As they say on site, come on, son. <laughs> come on, son. <laughs> you know, uh, we have a, a fight coming up uh, real close. It's uh, Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis. Uh, they, and it's funny to watch in the trades these guys lining up and see who's going, which side they're getting on to. It's, uh, Jamar, Jamar Salo, uh says that he thinks that Ryan Garcia does beat Tank Davis at this point. What, what's your thoughts, Tony? Well, I'm going to go back to what Bernard Hopkins said when we had him on last. When he was pushing for Ryan Garcia to win it. And back then, I honestly kind of disagreed. I was leaning to Tank Davis. But, so... Yes, Bernard's actually in Garcia's corner now as part of the team, I believe. And I saw both of them, the way they look, the way they're training, and then watching the last couple of months, both of them, I truly think Garcia's going to pull this one off. I didn't think that way before, but I really think that he's going to pull it off. And it's not going to be an easy fight for either one of them, but I think that Brian Garcia is going to throw that one fast shot that's going to catch him, and I think Tank's going to go down. Hmm. Uh, all right, let's go, to the, let's go to our technical expert, Z. What's your thoughts? Um, I'm going to tell you something. When it comes to fighting, it's all about who you've been with, who, who, who you slept with. And to be, honest, to, to, to be totally honest, I, I, I mean, I, I heard, uh, and I'm going to take a quote from Devin Haney. Who's Ryan Garcia really for? Yeah. I've seen I've seen Tank Davis 
and, 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 and we're not going to even stop there. One thing, and I'm going to talk some infighting things. I've seen Tank Davis have to adjust, have to deal with what opponents are doing in the ring. I've never had to see Ryan Garcia say, I've had to do anything different outside of one fight. The fight he got dropped in, and he didn't do anything different. He just caused the one shot that stopped it. Let me tell you something. Falling in love with that power has killed how many fighters? See, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Tank knows how to get the power in under those adjustments, under dealing with stuff. Another thing is this. Ryan Garcia, the long-term fighters, Tank has dealt with longer, taller fighters who know how to fight better, longer, and taller. None of them have been more dangerous than Ryan. But they've known how to fight longer and taller. Mm-hmm. Tank is adjusted. Tank also has a hell of a chin, so even if Tank goes down, he's not one to get knocked out. I've seen Tank hit with mm-hmm. cleaner stuff. I've also seen, mm-hmm. seen Tank have to deal with a long-armed guy, get him to the ropes, and uppercut him to sleep. Ryan mm-hmm. Garcia is not taking anything. That t- That's one thing I am pretty sure about. I, I'm sure of this much. Ryan Garcia is not taking what Tank got. It's questionable mm-hmm. if Tank can take what he has. It, it's, it's answerable if Ryan. No, Ryan's not taking what Tank has. Ryan's going to sleep. Mm-hmm. Now everybody can say anything they want, but nobody ever talks about if Tank touches Ryan. It's always Ryan's. But he's longer. He has all this physical talent. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean nothing. For one thing, when it comes to experience, and Tank isn't old. Tank, he's he's young like Ryan almost. Ryan's a little younger, but Tank's not old, and mm-hmm. he's experienced. He's a young, experienced guy in his prime. That's the most dangerous person you can run into. Mm-hmm. No, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan to me doesn't stand the shot. He does not, stand, mm-hmm. and he will run into it. I'm done. Okay. Yeah. You know, uh, when a fight was first talked about, right, before it was made, you want to talk to reality. It was just, obviously, these guys were in a collision course. I, I, at the time, I thought that, you know, Ryan Garcia was all wrong for St. David, stylistically, physically, uh, just all wrong. Not that it would be a, you know, a walk in the park. Just thought he was all wrong mm-hmm. for Tank Davis. Um, but a funny thing happened. Tank Davis kept fighting and fighting better opposition. And Ryan Davis took a mental health break. And mm-hmm. he, he had a fight lined up and he broke his hand. And, you know, and then from that point on, he, you know, fought two guys who, you know, were moving up in the weight, were, you know, at the latter stages of their careers. While Tank kept fighting you know, not necessarily the most elite guys, but he kept fighting top ten guys, you know. Um and and, you know, and like Zito said, it really especially when you're young, right, that experience is valuable. And uh, you know, young guys, they you know, they're canvases, man, and you know, especially in, you know, mixed martial arts. You know, you, you, these guys prove fight to fight so quickly. And, you know, the toughest opponent Ryan has fought was Luke Campbell. And <laughs> Luke Campbell, that was his last fight. He retired after that. So, 
that. You know, Luke Campbell was in his early 30s, so he was, you know, he was a pretty good fighter. Uh, you know, but he was, you know, just he was like one of several guys taking spot to a certain extent. One of I would say several, mm-hmm. but one of a handful of guys taking um, and so not only is Tank fought the better opposition, it, it, he's also been more active uh, and more active recently. On top of that, you know, Zito talked about Ryan you know, Garcia being a little younger. He is a little younger. Ryan Garcia hasn't entered his prime yet. Tank is in his prime. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's not like Tank is older, but he's long in it too. Tank is really, you know, more than likely at the – you know, upper, you know, at the beginning stages of his prime. He's not even at his plateau yet or at his peak yet. Tank is, Tank is still at the age where he's getting better as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, Ryan, I'm a big fan of Joe Goosen as a trainer, um, all the mm-hmm. way back to when he trained Michael Nunn. If you guys remember Michael second to Nunn, uh, you know, in the 80s. You know, I've always been a fan of Joe Goosen as a trainer. And, you know, a good trainer, you know, obviously they, you know, teach these guys everything they need to know. But what they also do is they also are really excellent at making sure their guys are mentally in the fight at all times. And mm-hmm. that's what Ryan Garcia needs. He's going to need to be disciplined. He's going to need to be smart. He's going to need to really use his physical attributes. What I fear, though, is because it because he hasn't been active and hasn't sharpened his tools, like Zito was saying, that, you know, when you don't sharpen your tools, when things get hot, you tend to regress. And he has some habits that right. Tank can take advantage of. He has, it, you got a favorite Tank. You know, even what I thought at the mm-hmm. time, you got a favorite Tank. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let me uh, ask you, uh, Johnny, uh, excuse me. Um, Canelo says that uh, uh, a, a fight with uh, Bivol, a rematch with him, would be totally out of the question. Is, is, is that your thoughts or not, Tony? He, he's smoking crack. That's my answer. <laughs> Canelo, uh, Canelo. He doesn't want any more of Bivol. Bivol's going to whoop his ass again. That's just what's going to happen. Ty, what's your thoughts? You said that Canelo, what was the quote again? Um, Canelo says that uh, it's out of the question for him and Bivol to uh, have an additional match, a rematch. Oh, I absolutely, absolutely 100% agree. It is absolutely Mm -hmm. out of the question. The only way they have a rematch is if Canelo chooses to have a rematch. And it should be out of the question in his mind because he don't want to get embarrassed with again. So uh, <laughs> he should be thinking about, you know, fighting somebody else. And honestly, uh, word on the street is, you know, if Benavidez does what, you know, most of us on this you know, panel expect him to do to Caleb Plant, then that's going to kind of create mandate for a fight. He's a mandatory but it'll create that public mandate too, especially if he goes and does Caleb Plant in a similar similar manner than Canelo. So uh, mm-hmm. you know he and, and that's the that's and that's his weight class, one sixty eight. You know that's where he mm-hmm. holds all the chips at one sixty eight. So so he's mm-hmm. got some work to do. Uh, but no, yeah, it should be out of the question. His management, if Canelo goes to his management, 
and says, hey, fight them off. His management should say, out of the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did. He will. Um, the um, next one I would do, Joe, Joe Diaz lost uh, last week uh, to uh, Machado uh, Gesta. Uh, Machado Gesta. Yeah, I was, I was yeah. kind of surprised by that. Yeah, I was too. Go ahead, Ty. No, I mean, Jojo Diaz is going in as a clear favorite. Uh, Jasta has, you know, never beaten anyone of Jojo Diaz's caliber. Uh, and he just kind of outworked him like a boxing. Jojo Diaz looked flat at times. So the one thing Jojo Diaz has been known for has been kind of this pressure and letting his hands go. But the problem is Jojo Diaz at 126 is not to save Jojo Diaz, you know, at 135. Right, Cause he moved up to 135. Mm-hmm. It's two weight classes above his best weight, where he was, a, you know, a title. And uh, since mm-hmm. then, it seems like, you know, as time is going on, he's starting to get diminishing returns because uh, just as the guy he, he's typically supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about uh, uh, I guess let's just jump over a little bit here to. Uh, um, MMA and uh, uh, Justin Gagey uh, really had a, uh, a bloody um, uh, fight last week with uh, Raphael Faison. Uh, did you happen to see that? Catch that, see? Oh, nah, not Justin Gagey. I caught the fight. Mm-hmm. Gagey against Fiziev. Obviously, obviously. Uh, it was the fight of the night. Uh, those guys banged away. And uh, honestly, you know, I don't know if you guys knew this, but I'm sure Dave will tell you, right? Fizia was the favorite corner. You know, a lot of pundits uh, predicted Justin Gaethje was knocked out because, you know, he's a, you know, he's a go-out on a shield kind of fight. Um, and, you know, the first round, it kind of looked like it was going to go that way. Uh, you know, Justin was getting his licks in, man, but he was having trouble with his speed. His dizzy up was quick. He really <laughs> let him go. Um, and he was having trouble with his speed. But by, by, I think it was by maybe the middle of the second round, Justin Gacy found the very underutilized tool in not only MMA, but boxing. It's a tool called a jazz. And from that point on, even though they had several, several, several violent exchanges, would won the fight for Justin Gaethje was his jab. Right. Go back and watch it, man. He won that fight That's with his jab. jab. Yeah, <laughs> like they were there. Yeah, when they were when they were in exchanges, man. Uh, at Justin Gaethje in exchanges at best was breaking even because his FC was 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 causing problems. But once mm-hmm. he started getting on his, his jab, then he was able to uh, you know, start dropping the right more. He was, you know, starting to land his uppercut more. It all opened up with the jab. Mm-hmm. And, then, and not only that, he was starting to score and he was busting he busted Suziab up with his jab. You know? And so uh that that was that was uh it was a very good fight. It was a very good performance by both guys. Fiziev's young, you know, Justin's 34, Fiziev's 30. That was his, you know, first uh, fight against somebody, you know, in the top five. 
Um, so, you know, he can, he can return from this. He can return from this. He had a great first round. But with Justin that got, uh, adjusted, Fiziev didn't have an adjustment to counter that. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if you don't mind me chiming in, as a fight coach, what I teach is this, and Ty's absolutely right. If you want to enter in, especially with damage, the way Justin Gaethje does, you enter in mm-hmm. with the jab. When you want to escape, you leave with the jab. And I hate when people leave and they back away and they don't, like, have the defenses with them. Don't you realize a jab will deter an opponent from running in on you. Anybody mm-hmm. can run forward than anybody can run, you know, they can run faster forward than you can run faster backwards. Mm-hmm. So when you get away, when you want to get away from an opponent, you don't just back away without putting something out there. That's why that back jab is important. Mm-hmm. That front jab is important. Everybody's taught to step in a jab. I mean, they should be. But mm-hmm. if you're not taught to step not only back but to the side, now, even if, mm-hmm. you, if you're orthodox, if you're right-handed, you're taught with your left, you're taught to pivot towards your left to jab. But how many people mm-hmm. are, pivot, are taught to go towards your right to jab? You have to know mm-hmm. both ways. Like, it, it, it feels mm-hmm. uncomfortable sometimes, but you have to learn it. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's the fight game. It, it's very uncomfortable, but you have to learn to move both ways. And and just to say about that, Justin Gaethje, I, I like his even – I've seen him back away and use the jab, too. So. Okay. Hey, uh, Ty, the uh, – um, Tom is, uh is making noise that he's going to return very shortly. What's your thoughts on that one? He needs to. And he needs to uh, probably do it at 185 since he blew weight by eight pounds last time. And all uh, everything I'm hearing is that uh, his next fight will more than likely be at 185, uh, even though nothing has been written in stone and nothing has been put on the calendar as yet. So uh, obviously fans in general are eagerly anticipating his return. Um, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, he's calling everyone out, uh, but, you know, right. he hasn't been signed to the fight yet. So I hear, you know, we hear him talk, you know, significantly more than we see him fight. So obviously right. it's time that we see him fight. And his last fight, who did he fight his last fight? Wasn't it the easy fight? Who was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't. He hasn't fought since, since, since Gilbert Burns, right? Right. Right, right. Yeah, he hasn't he has, he has fought since Gilbert Burns. And Gilbert Burns has come back and fought since. So yeah, yeah, I don't know what's going on with Kai Hamza. You know, he he hasn't even been booked to fight. So we'll see. Yeah. Oh no, no, he he right. was. That was no. He he fought Kevin Holland. That was the one seventy eight fight. So yeah, he hasn't fought since Kevin Holland. Um, and that was the fight where you know where no, he was supposed to fight someone else and he blew weight and ended up ended up fighting Kevin Holland. And since then, he's just been talking all over. Uh, you know, whatever they use, Insta, Facebook, or whatever. And um, right. so I don't know. I don't know when a fight's going to be signed with him, but obviously we all want to see the guy get back in the cage and do what he does. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
um, you know, like Yana Santos has has been. She's better than our record indicates, right? She's like fourteen and six. She's been solid. Mm-hmm. She's been serviceable, uh, but she's mm-hmm. like she's just coming back herself from a, a like a two year you know pregnancy break, right? She got pregnant and mm-hmm. had some kids, and so she's really you know this is just like her second fight back. And mm-hmm. I mean the big thing is she's younger than Holly. Holly's forty one. Um, they also used to be training partners. And they both have a very similar kind of style, you know, like they're, you know, Holly's a, obviously has, you know, a boxing pedigree and a kickboxing pedigree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Yana herself is a, is a very competent kickboxer. Um, but they both are, you know, they both tend to throw strikes that, you know, look better than they actually land. <laughs> Not better mm-hmm. than, they, than they are, but better than they land. You know, if you remember Holly Holmes, she blasts forward with like a five punch combination from, you know, four feet of distance and, and nowhere coming close, nowhere to hit you, but it's keeping you off of her. Uh, if you look at Holly Holmes over her yeah, years, what Holly Holmes has done is really kind of become more of a neutralizer and she uses her mm-hmm. movement and, you know, her, her timing and her flurries to keep people off of her. Uh, but she's, you know, become a, a very competent wrestler and a very strong and, and, you know, suffocating clinch fighter. She'll push you up against the cage and smother you for long while, you know, and she hasn't had a stoppage since she stopped, you know, Betch Cajeta. Uh, and that was, that was like six years ago. And, you know, Cajeta mm-hmm. retired like two fights later and she was never that right. good herself. Um, so, you know, this is the type of, of – Yana is the type of fighter that Holly, you know, typically beats. If Holly doesn't beat Yana, then, you know, that, that lets you know. And like Zito said, mm-hmm. Holly at this point, you know, she's not she's not going to beat any of the champions. She's just not. She's not at that point in her career. Or, or she, she's just not capable at this point of beating any champions. But she still is somewhat capable of separating the wheat from the chaff. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you know what, Yana is the same type of fighter, you know, so what happens when you, you have the two people who are, you know, kind of right at that same point. So it's an interesting fight, not a, not an interesting fight from an entertainment standpoint. Don't expect a slobber knocker at all. Like these are wall and wall fighters, you know, so, but it's an interesting fight from a, like, where does the winner go and where does the loser go? Because, Neither of these girls, even though they would be talked about as a competitor, no one would consider them realistic championship contenders at this point. It's the battle of two gatekeepers. Exactly. That really is. Right? And you know what? Honestly, think about this. Holly Holmes, she knocked Ronda Rousey out, right? Upset for the ages. She then lost Mm -hmm. three straight fights. And six times... Yeah, since that time, I think her record's been like four and six. But think of how many championship fights she has, right? Because there wasn't a judge of contenders and because of the star power of her name. And, you know, so mm-hmm. if Holly if Holly were to come out and, and look spectacular and say, knock Yana out, then, you know, obviously her name, her name power and what she's done would, would have people start talking about her as a title contender. But realistically, she's not, you know, obviously she's not one of the top three girls in the division at this point. I, I don't believe so. Mm-hmm. 
And I, it, and I, I got our final thing here because we're going to be against our time. Is that Bo Nickel uh, is uh, elated that uh, uh, his uh, opponent's uh, appeal uh, was dropped. Uh, so he got the, he really got the victory that he, he said he didn't kick him in the balls. And it wasn't an, a, a anything that they could wow. uh, find him for. So, so that's a that's a real kick in the ass to the end of the show. <laughs> okay, uh, I want to thank yeah, everybody yeah. for coming on. Go ahead. Oh, I just I, I just wanted to toss my uh, I didn't get a chance to chime in uh, exactly with the finality of the Benavidez plant thing. Um, to be honest, I think that uh, it's going to be a good fight if it lasts twelve rounds. Plant wins. I don't know if it is. If it doesn't, we already know who's gonna win. Um, I'm I'm okay. I'm picking Benavidez. It doesn't last. Okay. So Tony, you you got the order pad there right in front of you for the sandwiches, right? Absolutely. Extra <laughs> give me for you, give my me, brother. I, I just need <laughs> mustard with mine. Just give me mustard with mine, y'all good. <laughs> Well, I'm watching it right now. Benavides is driving his Lamborghini somewhere in Washington, driving around. So I think what's going to happen after tonight, he's going to trade that Lambo in for something that's about three times more expensive. He's going to whoop Caleb's ass. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm picking up to uh, beat Caleb. But, I mean, I've ate crow before. We'll see. Yep. Okay, guys, if we're up, I guess, our hour here. Ty, it's always great to have you back with us. Uh, we really appreciate all your input. Tony, you've been, you're always good for everything that we have coming along and, and a very good close friend. And uh, Zito, uh, couldn't do it without you, buddy. So we appreciate it. Uh, Sharon was just asking an update for on mom. She's doing really well, man. She's uh she graduated from the walker to the cane to now she's walking without the cane. Um, she, finished nice. up, uh, she finished up nursing and outpatient therapy, um, and so she's uh, almost back to 100%. You know? Great. We're, we're, Great. we're grateful, and uh, we thank everyone for all their prayers, well wishes, uh, and platitudes. We thank everyone. Absolutely. Good. All right. Tito, you want to leave us out? Sure enough, uh, another good show. Another good show. I want to thank Ty, Tony, uh, all of my Fighting Words family, you, Butch. These shows definitely in memory of Bob, Coach Mellon, Dr. Chris. Anyone wants to hear any Fighting Words, please do call. Tony? It's a great show. Enjoyed it tonight. Lots of laughs. It's fun. And uh, I'd like to have the public send in their nickels, dimes, and quarters for some extra goulash for my boys here that's Want to go for the plant tonight? <laughs> Other than that, I love you guys and enjoyed it. We're gonna have a good night. Hey, Ty. First of all, again, I'm going to be the eyeball out. Plant your flag with Caleb. Hopefully, that you guys don't plant his flag in Caleb. <laughs> that's what I'm picking. That's what I'm picking. I know. That's why I said it. I knew you were thinking it. Um, you know what? Really, Miss uh, Miss Bob and uh, and Caden, 
to talk MMA. Yeah. But uh, it was great. It was, you know, it was, it was a great reprieve, right? And it was great to be on the phone talking boxing with my four favorite boxing buddies. So uh, yeah. great having you know, it was great talking to Tony, Butch, Zito, uh, all as well. Bob is your co-pilot. Coach Mel is rocking over us. Dr. Chris keeps us laughing. Everyone have a wonderful and safe week. Be well. Great. All right, thank you. Uh, just as a side note, uh, so everybody would know, uh, Bob's wife, uh, the commander, is uh, in charge of hospitals in the, in the uh, uh, Navy uh, out in the atolls, uh, and uh, she's been home for uh, 10 days. So they went to uh, uh, New Orleans this weekend to uh, have a, a, a reunion as such. Uh, and Caden came down with a uh, migraine headache at uh, around 4 o'clock. So uh, he's uh, in bed already with uh, his uh, ice pack on his head. So uh, uh, we're, we're glad. We're always glad to have everybody back. Uh, and uh, we, we really appreciate all our, our listeners. Uh, and we we do appreciate. When we say that we appreciate the, the prayers and everything, we do uh, as a family. This is a family, whether whether we're brothers and sisters, uh, biologically, we are all brothers uh, right here, and um, that's the way we like it. This is this is a blended family. And ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week. Grateful appreciation to men in the United States Armed Forces, men and police and fire services, the doctors and nurses and first responders on the first line of COVID, and the wonderful people to clean up after them because they put themselves in harm's way each and every day. And to the people that stock this this market uh, for Bob, he loves you all. Uh, these programs are dedicated to those who've lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Pell, Chairman Jeffrey Colcap, Patrolman Jeffrey, <coughs> Jeffrey Yazowitz, Patrolman David, David Curtis, Sergeant Thomas Bager, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Hendler, Sergeant Tom Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Office, Patrolman Charlie Condit, Carpet Springs Police Department, Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Lieutenant Choice Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department, Sergeant Chris Levake, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman and Officer Chris from Lakeland PD, Lieutenant Joe Zerba, Newcastle County Police, Deputy Josh Myers, Nassau County Sheriff's Department, Captain Matt Aterna, Philadelphia Fire Department, Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Artis Hooks, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol, Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol, Chief Alho, Longo Key Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department, Deputy Mike Hargrove, Pinellas County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Blaine Lane, Polk County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Chris Myers, Polk County Sheriff's Department, and Sergeant Christopher Fitzgerald, Philadelphia Sheriff's Office, and Temple University Police Department. My brothers and sisters, you may be 10-7 at this point, but sometime we'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, and the rose rise up to meet you, may the winds be always at your back, may the rains fall softly on your fields, and the sun shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your family always in the palm of his hands. Good night, God bless, and have a great week. (laughs) 
Nineteen ninety nine. Call your NSP advised. Nineteen ninety nine is responding to a blast emergency. May God rest his souls and all the souls of the faithful departed.